Non-stop talk radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of healthcare each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it's a novel Canadian program. It seems to have a lot of common sense. It's called the Healthy Buddies Program. In essence, you teach older children about healthy lifestyles. They teach the younger children, and apparently it works. Well, it's some amazing statistics coming out of the Santa Monica-based Milken Institute, the work of Michael Milken, a, a cancer survivor. His premise is, and this is an economic think tank, that we could save $1.1 trillion in this country by practicing some healthy living. Well, what are those healthy living practices? Uh, because many of us believe that you have to be wealthy to be healthy. We'll examine it. We invite you to join us, as always, at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Many of us have heard it from generations gone by, uh, that tablespoon of cod liver oil. It was once how mothers weaned their baby. Cod liver oil has been a staple in many Americans' cupboards for many decades. Of course, all that changing in the last five decades. Where are we now? Well, this is amazing information coming out of the University of Florida's Center for Immunology and Transplantation, that the amount of omega-3 fatty acids found in food today has dropped 28,000% from 100 years ago. So no revelation here that 90% of the U.S. population is fatty acid deficient. Well, what are these fatty acids? They are the omega-3, omega-6, and omega-9 essential fatty acids, essential meaning your body has to get them from food. You don't make them. And what do they do? They keep our hearts healthy. They modulate inflammation so we have enough to be able to respond to infections and trauma uh, to uh, stimulate the healing process, but not too much. So um, we don't have autoimmune imbalances of inflammation. Uh, essential fats are um, just integral for maintaining brain and mood and learning ability. Um, they also have integral roles to play when it comes to hormonal health. In fact, uh, we could make the case, given the fact that these essential fatty acids are part of the cell membranes in every cell in the body, that they are essential for life. So, so with the dramatic rise recently in the incidence of things like type 1 diabetes, researchers have now been looking. And in fact, uh, in the current 
uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, just amazing research uh, comes out that the high consumption of fatty acids, where do we find these foods? We find them in nuts, uh, primarily the raw um, organic nuts when you start to cook, to, to blanch, to roast them. Uh, you start to change these fats. We find them in cold water fish. Uh, we find them in certain plant foods like sea vegetables and, and flax. Could thwart the onset of type 1 diabetes. And of course, uh, that is one of many autoimmune conditions related to maintaining that balance of, of inflammation in our body. So take home message is, don't think that you can get the essential fatty acids from your diet. Just keep in mind, University of Florida researchers who now indicate that the amount of omega-3 fatty acids found in food has dropped 28,000% in the last 100 years. And the work of Dr. Andrew Stoll and Dr. Carol Locke out of Harvard University's Department of Psychiatry who recount that the information is clear that 90% of Americans fatty acid deficient. And, of course, it will be part of our discussion today about um, the conclusion that healthy living could save this country $1.9 trillion. So what are those healthy living practices? Well, this is just amazing, eye-opening research from Johns Hopkins University, published in the current journal Cancer Research, that a common treatment given men who suffer from aggressive prostate cancer. We're going to be talking about androgen deprivation therapy. In other words, when they use therapies like Lupron to suppress male hormone production in an effort to stop the growth of cancer, quote, may actually be helping those cancers um, metastasize, migrate to other parts of the body, unquote. These John Hopkins University researchers came to that conclusion after studying the role that hormone-suppressing androgen deprivation therapy plays in activating a protein called Nestin, N-E-S-T-I-N, that this androgen deprivation therapy, therapy like Lupron therapy, slows tumor growth by depriving the cancer cells of of testosterone. Nestin, however, is linked to cell growth and development. They discovered that Nestin was active in prostate cancer cells grown in the laboratory. And what they found is that men who don't receive androgen deprivation therapy, unless their cancers are more aggressive, finding that prostate cancer cells depend on androgens to grow and develop, that these cells increase their production of nestin when deprived of androgen. So (laughs) what they're saying is that these current findings, why too preliminary to change clinical practice, should be a pause for concern for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer who is pursuing hormone-suppressing androgen deprivation therapies like Lupron because it stimulates the prostate cancer cells to produce more Nestin, this protein that's actually linked to cell growth. In other words, a metastasis of the, the, the cancer cells. And given the fact that we now link both surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation with incontinence and impotence, um, the side effects of which are not to be taken lightly, 
makes a good case that when it comes to prostate cancer, that the unfolding current mindset is to really consider the risk of the treatment versus the benefits, particularly the long-term risk, because it may make a difference in how you choose that therapy given the diagnosis of prostate cancer. And with the unfolding evidence, at least from cost-effective systems of healthcare like we find in Europe, that active surveillance, men making dietary changes, taking supplementation, exercise, correcting lifestyle habits that may drive the growth of prostate cancer, like excessive drinking and smoking, may be the better part of valor than resorting to these aggressive therapies like surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and now uh, hormone suppressive therapies because of the risk involved. Well, it may be another class of pharmaceutical company uh, drugs in this, uh, this country. We have drugs available by prescription. We have drugs available over the counter. Now the Food and Drug Administration uh, has announced that they are seeking public reaction to another category called BTC, behind-the-counter. In other words, uh, drugs dispensed by uh, pharmacists. We see this model widely used. In fact, uh, many Americans are wise to the fact that they can take a prescription as long as it's not a, a class, a narcotic drug, over the border to Mexico, go to a local pharmacist and purchase the uh, the prescription remedies there BTC behind the counter so we already have a, a model of that that emergency contraceptive that plan B pill it's sold without a doctor's note to women age 18 and older so they're going to hold a meeting in November in Washington to solicit input from patients as well as pharmacists and doctors. I suspect the doctors will not be happy about this, but it is part of the picture that needs to occur in this country to stimulate patient responsibility when it comes to our health care. You know, are the Mexicans... Uh, that much more savvy healthcare consumers that the behind the uh, counter prescription drug model works and works quite well for them raises some questions now to us now now doesn't it you know are we the healthier for all of the medications to be by prescription rather than this new uh, potential classification of BTC behind the counter we're going to return to talk about how healthy living could help this country save $1.1 trillion. How do we debunk the myth that wealth equals health? We invite you to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The most affordable health insurance on earth. Healthy Talk Radio. Well, speaking of health, uh, we talked today about the widespread myth that you have to be wealthy to be healthy. In fact, it has come to many of our consciousness uh, because at the turn of the uh, the last calendar year, Business Week had a very interesting op-ed piece talking about health care. Now, talking about health care is uh, nothing novel when it comes to the business pages in this country. We often find the two linked. 
because of what happened uh, during the Second World War. That is, with wage um, uh, controls, wage price controls, controlling the, the rate of wages in this country, one of the methods that countries, uh, companies began to use quite effectively was to offer to their potential employees health care. And, of course, it became the model by which large manufacturers like the auto industry um, perpetrated a stable, trained workforce. But it went awry for any number of reasons that we won't go into uh, to today. But it begat that model of health care in this country where there was a decided disconnect between the mind of the end healthcare consumer, the healthcare consumer, you and me, whose healthcare coverage was being paid for, in fact, even decided upon by our employer, which resulted in many of us developing a mindset of the past five decades. Doc, do whatever you need to do, just bill my insurance. And even though we have, uh, to a large extent, gotten away from fee-for-service health care, knowing that 50% of the dollars spent in health care in this country come from government sources, Medicare and Medicaid, Armed Forces, um, um, health care uh, programs, knowing that many of us have managed cares or PPO programs for our health insurance, that mindset continues. We have little thought for what health care costs in this country, and we have almost no incentive to make wiser choices when it comes to our health care based upon the fact that we're not paying for it. We don't know what it costs. We're not incentivized to find out. We're certainly not incentivized to follow a cost-effective health care model. Not so the model that dominates all of the other industrialized countries around the world. Why they have resorted to a, a social system, a, a federalized system of health care which many of us would argue is uh, far from ideal, it is much more likely to be connected to cost-effective care. And because there is not an unlimited supply of health care, those in health care consumers, whether they're in New Zealand or Denmark or Germany, are much more incentivized to stay healthy to understand the costs of health care because they're in a system that attempts to limit those costs. So, with the information out just this week, a major report out, there is an economic think tank out of Santa Monica that has joined a growing chorus of researchers and public health experts contending that our current system some call it health care, some call it disease care. Our medical model no longer serves our country. And this new report um, that um, is entitled An Unhealthy America, The Economic Burden of Chronic Disease, is eye-opening. 
it really codifies what many of us suspect. We look around and two out of three Americans are either overweight or obese. 78% of our nation's um, whole cost, whole price for medicine, for health care, for disease care, so we're talking about just amazing record numbers, goes to chronic conditions. And I dare say that most of us know somebody whose lives have been touched by chronic diseases. We know somebody who's pre-diabetic, insulin-resistant, or type 2 diabetic. We know somebody who has heart disease or high blood pressure or suffered a heart attack or a stroke, even had uh, maybe an angioplasty, a stent, bypass surgery. Most of us know people whose lives have been touched by cancer, by uh, uh, arthritis, by autoimmune conditions. The litany of chronic conditions that are now being revealed to affect this country much more so than any other country on the planet. In fact, if you take a look at uh, Americans' health versus Canadians' health, Americans' health versus uh, the Brits' health, Americans' health versus European health, we find some study in contrast. We're much more likely to be overweight or obese, much more likely to smoke, and much more likely to suffer from chronic diseases. That Americans over the age of 50 are much more likely to be diagnosed with cancer, diabetes, and heart disease than their European counterparts. But, you ask, how can that be? We're spending more money. We live in a land of opportunity. We live in a, a land of almost unlimited resources when it comes to health care potential. So, hence, we come back to that Business Week op-ed piece the premise of which was to debunk the medical model that permeates every level of this scenario, from healthcare practitioners to the healthcare industry, the pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies and hospitals, to you and me as healthcare consumers, to governments, to businesses who provide healthcare. And that model being that we believe that more money equals more medicine, equals better care, equals better outcome. That somehow along the way, our mindset was skewed, thinking that, oh my goodness, if we spent more money, we got better care, we lived longer and lived better, all because we were willing to pay more money. In fact, that has uh, that mindset has dominated much of even our foreign policy. Look at what happened in Iraq. We attempted to uh, infiltrate and actually affect public opinion in a, uh, in a in a war on the basis of what we could pay people. So that mentality is certainly uh, consistent with many aspects of policy on many levels, both a public health and a government basis. But it failed us. The bottom line is, even in cases where we would just be amazed by the results, look at the cases of 
of premature babies in intensive care units, you would think that spending more money on these babies equals better care and better outcome. Not so. The studies show just exactly the opposite, that there is definitely a balance of care, a cost-effective approach that has eluded medicine in this country, eluded you and me as healthcare consumers, eluded our mindset that has forever changed the healthcare system in this country. So we are spending record amounts. We have record rates of chronic diseases. We are 42nd in overall world standing when it comes to how long we live. Certainly, uh, by no means near the top of the heat when it comes to quality of life. So what do we do? When we return, we're going to be talking about how healthy living could save this country $1.1 trillion, help your bottom line, help you live longer and live better. Our line's open to invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002. I'm Deborah Ray right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. It's on the mind of many of us these days, uh, whether we're paying for health insurance out of our pocket Gee, (laughs) the cost is only going in one direction up. Whether we have employer-paid health insurance in this country, more and more often we find those costs being shifted to you and me. We have to pay more out of pocket when it comes to to health insurance. Whether we're on Medicare or Medicaid, uh, because many of those systems are more limiting in terms of what they do cover when it comes to health care. So healthcare costs, whether it's the cost of a prescription drug, uh, many of those costs outstripping inflation in this country, we recognize, just as the experts are now telling us, that we are much more likely to suffer from chronic diseases, but also much more likely to suffer from what is certainly on the minds of many, given the fact that Medicare just took a stand. I mean, it was unprecedented. It was really cool. Medicare said, we will no longer pay for preventable medical errors, hospital-acquired infections, bed sores, um, you know, complications that many of us in a consumer-driven economy would say to our car mechanic, you broke what when you changed my oil? I'm not paying for that. Somebody comes to your home to maybe fix a windowsill, breaks the window. I'm not paying for the replacement of the window. You caused the complication. So this growing consciousness, and it was pretty amazing to think in a consumer-driven economy that for many years has been so strong on the basis of those market forces that health care, which was a huge segment, in fact, the most, the largest single segment of the U.S. economy, now 16% of the gross national product, well on the way to becoming 20% of the gross national uh, product, 
was a segment of the economy that seemed to be inured to market forces. But then along came technology like LASIK eye surgery, like plastic surgery, and we had a model that we recognized, wow, not only worked, it stimulated competition and it stimulated quality that we could get better plastic surgery, better LASIK surgery. We could actually get the data to make an informed healthcare decision and pay less for it on the basis of the market forces. So enter this economic think tank weighing in that our current system doesn't work. It doesn't serve us because we don't get our money's worth. It doesn't serve us because of the explosion in chronic disease in this country. Why? Well, we have a system that is great in terms of addressing trauma and emergency and is very ill-served to address chronic disease. So that comes back to 40 million cases of seven chronic diseases that could save all of us because in the bottom, in the, in, in the very end, on the bottom line, it affects you and me. It affects the price of goods and services, the cost of health care. So whether it's cancer, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, mental disorders, and pulmonary conditions, these seven chronic diseases could be addressed by healthy living and save the system and us in the end $1.1 trillion. $1.1 trillion could be saved if you and I were educated to healthy living. Well, I talked earlier. In Canada, they're actually teaching students in grades 4 to 7 healthy living. And it's working so well that they're using them as health buddies to teach children kindergarten to grade 3 healthy living habits. Well, now wait. You know, aside from many of us being stumped by questions that a fifth grader can answer. We've seen all that on television. What is it that Canadian school children age four to seven get and can teach a kindergarten to age to uh, to grade three that eludes the entire U.S. population by and large? Healthy knowledge, healthy attitude, healthy behavior. They teach them the value of being physically active. That it's not just lip service. It's not just muscles and, oh, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting that's so strange. That regular physical activity is essential to preventing cancer, to preventing heart disease, to preventing diabetes. The single greatest predictor whether or not we will be active and independent in our later years is simply regular physical activity. Eating healthy. I know it sounds novel, 
go to uh, the uh, internet today and take a look at school lunch menus. We'll be shocked. I mean, aside from the fact that we're shocked that fast food restaurants now dominate our hospital landscape, McDonald's is in the Cleveland Clinic of all places. It's amazing to many of us who still love that model, who's the parent here, that our schools have vending machines, that fast food uh, restaurants not only dominate hospitals but schools in this country, that on school lunch menus, as we speak, our children may be eating pizza and cheese fries under the premise that it's a balanced diet for growing children. And third, having a positive body image. Really listening and knowing your body. Three basic things that fourth graders can learn. The value of regular activity, healthy eating, and a positive body image. Three things that according to the Milken Institute could save this country $1.1 trillion. So let's examine it. If that's the case, if the Milken Institute says seven chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, mental disorders, and pulmonary conditions could be addressed by healthy living, what are those healthy living tips? It's as close as a couple of books that our mothers taught us from that carrots were healthy food for the eyes to fish was brain food to crust of bread for curly hair. Basic nutrition. By and large, deep colors. Of course, there's a couple of exceptions to that. Things like onions and cauliflowers and, and, uh, and turnips. The deeper the color, the more nutrition that food has. The least processed it is. In other words, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and protein sources that have not been adulterated by farming methods uh, that include the use of antibiotics and hormones are all good to eat. Whole eggs, free-range chicken, uh, wild fish, particularly the, the, the deep water, the cold water fish, fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains. And if we have the opportunity to eat them in an organic fashion, the nutrition, just look at an orange. Presented before the American Chemical Society was the fact that a conventional orange, 60 milligrams of vitamin C. Gee, I take 14,000 milligrams a day. I have to eat a lot of those oranges to satisfy my daily a requirement of vitamin C. An organic orange, 100 milligrams. That's an amazing increase in nutrition by eating organically. And with 90% of cancer and heart disease, so if we take cancers, heart disease, hypertension, and stroke, those collectively... 90% of that is within our control by eating more wisely, 
recognizing that given the stresses of our daily life, the fact that we don't always eat whole and organic and local, that we probably need to supplement wisely. Again, the the research is clear that a high-quality multiple vitamin and mineral, no, it doesn't come in a one a day. Water-soluble vitamins are almost impossible to get in that fashion. A source of the healthy fats, these essential fatty acids each and every day, and a source of the good bacteria, probiotics. So eating wisely, healthy supplementation, regular activity, and then certainly don't overlook the fact that emotional and spiritual health makes a difference as well. Very simple facts that could save this country if the report entitled Unhealthy America, The Economic Burden of Chronic Disease, $1.1 trillion. That if we reduced obesity alone, no, it's not magical. No, there's not a magic bullet pill. No, there's not a magic operation. For some, those tools are necessary. But basically coming back to healthy living premises, we could save our nation's economic output $254 billion by reducing obesity alone. And this country has the dubious distinction of being the most overweight, the most obese in the world. Yeah, we should be shocked, probably a little embarrassed by that. Simply addressing obesity alone, because that gets us back, if we really address obesity, to healthy living eating habits, healthy living exercise habits, healthy living mental health, emotional and spiritual habits, The rewards are many. And to, to, in essence, give up on those of a lower economic strata by indicating that somehow eating fast food is cheaper, it's not. That being sedentary, sitting our kids down in front of a, a, a television tube or a computer monitor or video game starting at age two, is going to save us money in childcare, improve our, our, our productivity when it comes to our workplace. It's not. Just think about it. If Canadians can teach fourth graders healthy living habits and engender that fourth grader to be a health buddy to a kindergartner, and in the end it works. I've taught children's cooking classes before. They are so bright, they get it. They understand when they pick up a bottle and there's a a litany of terms that boggle pronouncing, much less understanding what they are, that chemicals don't equal nutrition, don't equal health. If you're not getting the nutrients that you need from your diet, 
you are much more likely to eat more, to eat empty calories, soft drinks, fat food, fatty foods, processed foods. You eat more because you're never satisfied. Healthy living could save us, save this country, save us, save the businesses that employ us, $1.1 trillion. We come back, we'll talk about the resources to get started. We invite you to join us, as always, online, healthytalkradio.com. If you're listening, want to listen again, if you heard a news story, want to actually see it, download it, print it, it's available to you at healthytalkradio.com. Healthy living could save this country $1.1 trillion. We invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio worldwide, whenever and wherever you need us at HealthyTalkRadio.com. Now, more with America's favorite healthcare consumer, Deborah Ray. The report is in. Uh, Americans suffer more chronic illnesses, which means we spend more money than any other country on the planet. And now the report out, thanks to the economic think tank, the Milken Institute, the report that is entitled Unhealthy America, the Economic Burden of Chronic Disease, that we could save $1.1 trillion by healthy living. So where do we get started? We spoke of healthy nutrition, that it's as simple as eating unprocessed eating whole, eating organic, eating local. Yeah, you might have to search out some other resources. Yeah, you might think, oh, organic costs a little bit more. But if you're getting more nutrition, think of the economic burden. If you're taking medications for obesity and high blood pressure and reducing a risk of stroke, and that's going to affect your ability to to you know to, to to function to be productive supplementation three simple supplements a good high quality multiple vitamin mineral a source of the good fats a source of the the healing bacteria the good bacteria the probiotics regular activity yeah it can be part of what you do daily although we need to be much more mindful of climbing stairs walking Good concentrated activity every single day. Some strength training, even if it's some cans out of out of underneath your, your kitchen counter, some regular cardiovascular exercise. Very simple steps. Health Buddy Program in Canada is doing it for grades four through seven. Healthy eating, healthy activity, and a positive body image. Now, I know there's some fifth-grade questions out there that stump us. But if a fourth-grader can learn to be a healing buddy, a healthy buddy to a kindergartner, what about the premise that we can all be a mentor, a role model to one other person? Just one other person you can influence in a healthy fashion 
by eating in a more healthy fashion, supplementing wisely, staying active each and every day, and maintaining positive emotional and spiritual health. It will save you, save our employers, save our economy, and add years of quality life. Add years of quality life to your life. Healthy living, saving us $1.1 trillion. Our thanks to have each and every one of you join us. If you missed anything, again, join us online, healthytalkradio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy. Stay healthy.